Blog Talk Radio. Hi and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Author Kim Campbell is the wife of Plant Pure Nation executive producer and director Nelson Campbell and daughter-in-law of Dr. T. Colin Campbell, co-author of The China Study. She is also a culinary contributor, recipe developer, and cooking instructor at Campbell Wellness. In her Plant Pure Nation cookbook, she shares more than 150 extensively tested, 100% plant-based recipes that she created and cultivated in over 25 years of vegan cooking. And Carol, I am so very excited to learn to cook easy, healthy meals from Kim today. Hi, Carol. Nice to be here. And Claire? Yes, yes, and we are we are both very, very excited, and I know that a lot of the work that you have been doing, uh, Kim, has revolved around um, your heart and passion for helping people to learn how to shift from uh, a diet that, that uh, compromises their health and the environment over to something that is a greater stewardship for the earth, as well as increases um, a, a much more healthy, vibrant life, all the way into their uh, from from childhood all the way into uh, their senior years. Mm-hmm. Kim, we really enjoyed uh, talking to your husband Nelson about the film that he made. And I know that this cookbook, uh, to me, is the answer because you can talk to people all day long about how good you feel when you switch to a plant-based diet. Um, It's because Claire uh, has been on a plant-based diet for many years, and I've been on one for 45 years. So we know the benefits, but when you start telling people about it, the next thing is, oh, my gosh, well, what do I do? How do I eat? And you have solved that with your book. Thank you for this great book. Sure. When when we first started doing Jump Starts, um, Nelson wanted me to be directly involved in the this, the culinary um, designing the the, the ten day Jump Start, which originally started as the, the Fresh Plan. So I got involved in that with another chef, and we just um, kept track of all the recipes and. Then I I used the recipes that I'd raised the kids on and my own family and put them all together into a cookbook while Nelson was working on the film. But those are tried and true recipes, recipes that we tested on mainstream folks who didn't even know what a plant-based diet was. So when they started eating this way, they really enjoyed it. So I I knew that they were winners, and I picked some of the top recipes to put in this cookbook. Um, And and we we just had great results and number. I mean, I'm not talking about just, enjoying the food, but the numbers, the biometric numbers were phenomenal, which which was exciting for us. Well, now, this is, when you talk about Jumpstart, explain to the audience that that uh, was part of the plan 
to prove that a plant-based diet reduces cholesterol and improves your health, and it was a measurable study. So I understand they took everybody's uh, biometrics in the beginning, and then uh, in your small town, you made it open for everyone, and those who joined got the food free. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Well, they paid. They did pay for the, you know, some of the basics. In the very, very first jumpstart, we did feed people for for free, um, because these were people in the community that we felt would reach out further, deeper into the community. So that we had physicians and teachers and, um, you know, business people in the community that we knew that would spread the word. So we brought them in and fed them free and um, offered lunch and dinner, and then we educated them on how to do the breakfast. We took biometrics before we started the 10 days. They came in and picked up their food every day. And at the end of 10 days, we did the post-biometric. And that very first group that we had go through in in Mabin did beautifully. They had great results. And most of those people in that initial group are still plant-based or pretty much 90% plant-based. That's wonderful. Oh, what an achievement. Yes, indeed. And for those who may not understand where you're coming from when you're talking about the biometric, could you please just uh, give clarity? We pretty much look at blood lipids. So we were looking at cholesterol levels, um, uh, HDLs, LDLs, triglycerides. Uh, We didn't do blood sugar because that that can vary. We didn't do blood pressure. We just pretty much looked at the blood lipids, which which the results for that were, honestly, I, I didn't think the results would be as strong as they were. And my father-in-law said, you'll, you'll get amazing results, and you'll probably get them after seven days, but we did it for 10 days. And we had people that dropped 100 points in that first group. And we still oh. have people drop 100 points. We just did one at a local church and, and had some amazing results. Every time, it never changes. That's what's amazing. Um, it's a 25% reduction on average, but we still see people with much bigger reductions than that. That is so rewarding. Um, well, I wanted to really talk a, a, a minute about the China study so that we can bring people into the knowledge that uh, about the plant-based diet and why, uh, what the background is. So could you tell us a little bit about that China study? Sure. Um, when my father-in-law was in China um, doing research, he was looking at the, the reason that China was, was selected is because they have such a, a wide variety of diets throughout China. And they were able to look at, you know, counties that were, had higher cheese, you know, and dairy intake and counties that had higher fish intake. And so they, when, he did the, when he did the research in the blood and the urine samples all across these counties, the thing that, that came up um, overwhelmingly in the statistics was the cancer rates. And the cancer rates that had the highest animal intake was the highest. Um, and it, it was, you know, heart disease and cancer were the two things that showed um, the, the, the strongest relationship to diet. Of course, you know, there are many, many other diseases, diabetes, um, obesity, um, all sorts of inflammatory diseases that are related to the plant-based diet as well. But it was the largest human study that's ever been done. Yes, and, and it was 10 years, I believe, right? Mm-hmm, Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, so, when I when I met uh, Nelson and his family, uh, Colin was going back and forth, and they were actually doing the research at the time and consolidating the results um, not long after that. So I was I was I actually had the opportunity to be there and watch some of the the results come in, which was really exciting. It's oh, a, I can imagine. It's an amazing yes. it's an amazing study, and I, I strongly recommend it. Anybody that's interested in the plant-based diet, read the China study. It's also very readable. You know, it's not like you're reading a science textbook that, you know, you have to kind of sift through. Um, it's, it's, people are amazed at how quickly they read through it and understand it. Right. Well, I was doing a show um, called Health Styles, mm-hmm. and when this China study came out, and that was one of my top, uh, issues that I brought up to people, and I remember uh, I actually found the show last night and was listening to it, and in there I was repeating what um, Dr. Campbell said, that you should uh, not be worried, don't don't say, well, oh, I'll just eat uh, the breast of the chicken and things that don't have a lot of fat, it's the cholesterol, and you, uh, if you give up that chicken breast and go to some of the plant-based diet food and uh, stay away from the animal food, you can reduce your numbers and increase your energy. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. When you tell people, uh, I, when I became a vegetarian, people would spend the whole evening with me trying to figure out why I would do such a thing because it was in the 70s. And who would who would give up? a beautiful Texas uh, steak to have a uh, baked potato and some vegetables. Nobody could understand it. Uh-huh. So I stopped trying to convert people. I just said it works for me and let it go. But I came from a family with a lot of heart disease, and I am in really good shape. So it's proof to me. You know, um, I'm going to make a comment on, on that. You, you said it works for me. People get so excited and they begin to feel good and they become passionate and, and religious about how they feel and their, their diet, and they want to share it with people and they want to bring people in. Unfortunately, I've learned the hard way, too, that you, you really can't, you can't push it on people. You have to kind of walk them into it, and the proof is in the pudding, right? You just said, I feel good, and people look at me and they realize that I'm so healthy. That's when they'll start asking you questions wow, you look great, or, you know, wow, you, you seem like you have a lot more energy. So I think just modeling to people your health and your wellness yes. instead of trying yes. to, to push this on people because, unfortunately, it turns many people off. And uh, yes. I, I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> yes. It's hard to watch people, though, who are suffering from, uh, you know, illnesses that are completely reversible and, they're not open to change, and and that's what's hard to watch. But I I think just showing people and modeling good health always works. It gets people to kind of ask questions and and walk into it on their own. Right. Exactly. But I've become a firm believer that um, sometimes it's the diet that you carry from your parents more important to me than the genes. In other words, uh, because you had, we had meatloaf, we had uh, ham and roast all the time. We never had a day without meat in Texas when I was growing up. So then you come um, to the fact that 
people are are starting to move away from it. But the the point is that you can't do better than a normal plant-based diet to give you energy. I've also found that I get I that was the first benefit I got was more energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you found that too, I guess. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You but, know, I've been doing it for so long that I I always feel really good and have a lot of energy. So, I've you know, you forget what it feels like not to feel good until you've had a a flu or, you know, food poisoning or something, and then you realize, wow, is this how people feel all the time? They don't have energy, you know, they're lethargic, they're not sleeping at night. I don't have a lot of those symptoms. So, I I think people when they go through this, they're just they're so excited and inspired about how well they feel. Uh, and and it, it is true. I think if, you, if you've if been feeling this way for 20 years, which you probably have, Carol, it's, it's hard to put your brain back into the standard American diet and how people always feel. Yes, that's right. And, and, and not using those old recipes is the key. And um, so I think your book is the best thing to happen in years because these recipes are easy uh, they're delicious, and, and yes, it takes a little bit to stock your kitchen, a little bit of change in your way of thinking, but it's certainly worth it because we're, as a family here, my daughter-in-law, my granddaughter, and I are marching through your book on a daily basis. Uh, we had the stroganoff, and I can tell you I've never had stroganoff better at any restaurant, New York, Chicago, Paris. This was delicious. Well, that's great. Uh, well, you know, those so we, recipes, it's, it's interesting. Um, my mother, when, when, the, when the book first came out, of course, she was the first one that, that got a book, and the, my parents are not plant-based, but my mother's a wonderful cook. So when she looked through the book, because I kept a lot of it secret from her until the book came out, she said, these recipes are my recipes. <laughs> and I said, well, Mom, they're recipes that, that we were raised on, but what I did is I made them plant-based. So a lot of them are traditional, all-American comfort foods that feel good to people. They're familiar. It's not like you're, like you're eating something that's too, too strange. Um, but I made them oil-free, cut back on the sugar and the salt, and, of course, took out all the cheese and made other substitutions. So that's a lot of fun for me to make a traditional recipe plant-based because that's, I think, how you get people to be open to eating a plant-based diet when they realize it's really not that different. It doesn't have to be. No. I have uh, a and the, Yes. About um, it, one concern that um, I've noticed some people have about making the switch to a completely plant-based diet is they're wondering where they're going to get their protein from. They, they don't really realize how much protein is in uh, not just the food combining, but many, uh, you know, individual uh, a serving of broccoli, for example. And, and mm-hmm. so how do, you, um, how do you help educate people on understanding the, uh, the health involved with protein in a plant-based diet? Mm-hmm. Well, protein is the problem. Um, it starts, it, that's where the problem started was with animal protein. So I tell people that. You've never, ever heard of a protein deficiency in a developed country. We have the opposite problem. We eat far too much animal protein. Plants have plenty of protein and then some. If you're eating a, a diet that has a 
great deal of variety. If you're eating, you know, whole grains and beans and colored vegetables, you'll get as much protein as you need, and then some, probably more than you than, than you need, because we have so much food at our fingertips all the time. But I tell people that that is really the last thing you need to worry about. You don't need to worry about combining proteins so you get your complete amino acids. If you're having something in the morning that has half of your amino acids and something in the it, at night where the, you're getting other the other half of the amino acids, it's perfectly fine. We don't need to complement our food as we're eating it, which was a, a myth years ago when I was taking nutrition classes. So really... I tell people all the time, you don't need to worry about protein. You need to worry about other things like animal proteins, cholesterol, sugar. There's so many other things that are a concern in our diet. Absolutely right. But that's a great question, Claire. And on this same tact, I'd love to know, what is your position on tofu? Is it beneficial for you? Is it okay or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that question a lot, too, because of the phytoestrogens, which which actually there's some research out there that says that phytoestrogens are actually beneficial and can help prevent some of those cancers that people think are linked to um, estrogens. So it, they're, they're, plant, they're plant phytoestrogens, and my father-in-law found that, you know, in China the counties that were eating soy did not have breast cancer. So, I, again, oh. I think tofu is somewhat processed. I do use it in my cookbook, um, but it is slightly processed because they have to um, grind up the soybeans and separate the, the curds in the whey, if you will, and then they press it, and you end up with a, you know, a solid mass of tofu. So I think we need to be careful about how much tofu we're eating. I mean, if you're eating a lot of it, cakes every day, that's probably too much. But I would tell you that if you were eating a lot of cashews or, you know, any any time you overconsume one kind of food, it's never healthy. But I don't think there's any, any uh, risk to eating tofu. There's far more risk to eating cheese and dairy where there's excessive amounts of estrogen in the milk. The milk was produced for the baby calf, not for the human. And then all the things that we're giving the cows to produce the milk are detrimental to our health as well. So I don't think soy is a problem. <laughs> okay, that's really good. Now let's just talk a minute about where people can buy the cookbook, Pure Plant Nation Cookbook, or Plant okay. Pure Nation. Plant Pure Nation. Um, you can get it on Amazon, and you can also buy it at plantpurenation.com. I have yet to go to a Barnes and Noble and not see it. It's usually at the bookstores as well, so um, it's you know it's pretty easy to get your hands on. Amazon will usually get it into your homes within three to five days, and and our our website as well. Okay, that's great. Now more questions on food. What about tempeh? Does that have gluten? Uh, and should gluten sensitives not eat tempeh? Tempeh is made with a whole soybean as opposed to tofu. Tofu, like I said, is slightly more processed because you're removing a lot of the liquids from it. Um, but tempeh, what they do is they take the soybeans and inoculate them with a, a, a fungus, um, and, then the, and then it grows. It grows around the beans kind of like, like threads and, and holds it together. So tempeh is much more solid. Um, I tend to steam it a little bit because it can be bitter, 
you steam it a little bit and then marinate it, I think it just takes the edge off of it. But if it's, if you want to talk about which one is more of a whole food, I would say tempeh is more of a whole food than tofu. Wow, that's interesting. So, and and it isn't you don't have to worry about gluten in tempeh. Not to my knowledge. If there's gluten in tempeh, then that's a that's an area that I am not um, familiar with. I, we don't we don't have a gluten free diet in our house. I've done gluten free cooking classes and I've read and you know listened to a lot of the story with gluten free, but we don't do it here. So I guess I'm not as I'm not as careful about every every aspect of gluten in different foods. Okay, well that's brilliant to learn all of this. So um, let's go to cheese and let's <laughs> because. I I often think that our government, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, tells you what to eat. Yet, on the other hand, their job is to to promote dairy, cheese, uh, and beef. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, that's one of the reasons I believe we have so many problems with uh, cardiac and cancer. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell me what you think. Yeah, I think that... The meat and dairy industry has their hands in the government's business, and I think it's actually very scary <laughs> what's you know what's happening. I, I used to work for well, I've taught in public schools, but I used to work for Cooperative Extension, which is a, a government-funded organization, and all of the materials that we were using to promote health education and nutrition was all put out by the Dairy Council, and the meat industry, which is really, really quite scary, um, the egg board. And then the public schools, um, you know, the government regulates what's, what the school lunch programs should or should not be. And if anybody's ever walked into a school cafeteria to see what those young children are eating, it's, it's just toxic. It's, yes. it's, oh, my gosh. No, I, I haven't seen more, that. I think I'd get myself in trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I understand. But your recipes don't have cheese in them, but you really don't miss it. You even have macaroni and no cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't use cheese. I use I use other things, and I might use a little bit of tofu. I know I made lasagna this morning, and I use instead of using ricotta, I take tofu and blend it up, and I add spinach and some spices and different things to it, and. I don't know. I, if you've ever tasted real ricotta cheese and then you've tasted my ricotta cheese, I think the plant-based is so much better. Um, but I also make cheese sauces. I use cashews, not a lot. Um, I use a little bit of cashews to get the fat from the whole food, which helps to emulsify the waters and the milks that you're using. And then I use a little bit of a thickener. Sometimes I use sweet potatoes or butternut squash to get the cheese sauces to thicken up. In fact, we keep them in mason jars in the refrigerator, and Nelson and I top our potatoes with cheese sauces. Um, we use them on top of pasta. That, that's always been a staple in my house because I raised three kids, and they love they love their noodles and cheese sauce. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, and that's in the book? Or what's that under? Um, I, have a, I have a fettuccine Alfredo sauce. I have a macaroni and cheese sauce in there, and then I have a cauliflower Alfredo sauce, which is not free, too, because you really, you know, a lot of people don't want to eat the nuts, and I try to minimize those. 
but you really don't have to use dots. I use them just to kind of enhance that creaminess a little bit more. I use them in some of my dressings as well. But there's three three really good cheese sauces in the in the cookbook. Okay, good, great. Um, I am. I'm just going to work my way through it because I've never seen. Uh, everybody in the family found something they wanted to cook, so um, it's just been exciting to try this. And the um, risotto with the uh, carrots and uh, cilantro and oh my gosh, that was delicious. Because I'm a big uh, brown rice eater, mm-hmm. and that was a wonderful way to dress it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are um, those are recipes that you know that I raised the kids on, and I grew up with some of them myself. And they're just they've been tested and retested and tested. In fact, my daughter is downstairs right now as we speak. She's personal shopping for somebody, and she just about has a blindfold on because she knows how to do this stuff. That that's the other thing I think getting your family involved with the cooking as much as possible, husbands, wives, kids. You know, sort of making it uh, a family affair is mm-hmm. really a nice way to get everybody on board. Absolutely. And with, Kim, I know that um, you you had to have a good stable of um, dessert recipes, which you do have in your book. I noticed mm-hmm. in recipes you do not use sugar, cane sugar. You use other uh, sources for sweetening. Would you talk a little about that? Yeah, I, I would love to talk about that because if I could change one thing about a book, um, you know, I think we all wish that we go, we look back and think, oh, why did I do that? I could make that better. You know, it's never perfect. I think if I had to do it over again, I would have substituted the agave for ma- maple syrup. I used agave at the time because that was the more popular sweetener, supposedly the healthier, and then I found out later that it wasn't. Um, and now I substitute all agave for maple syrup. I also tend to use dates, um, whole dates instead of sugar, which I really encourage people to use a, a banana or applesauce or dates. Go with the whole food first, and then if it's not quite sweet enough, it's not quite where you want it to be, then you can start adding maple syrup or whatever sweetener you prefer. But I always tell people to start with half. If you're making a cookie recipe, and those are treats, by the way. We don't eat cookies every day. But if you're making a cookie to take to a dish to pass or something, then start with half the sugar and then go from there. Because you can't take it out once it's there, but you can always add a little bit more to the batter. But keeping it as whole as possible and minimizing it is important. But the dessert chapter was really intended to be a treat. I just feel like we, you know, we are ingrained in our society to think that after every meal we have to have something sweet, and I think we need to work on eating more fruit and drinking more, staying hydrated, drinking more water, and getting rid of that urge to always have to eat something sweet. Well, one date, uh, one date after dinner, that'll do it. I mean, that'll take you to the moon. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't take much. No. And probably, you know, if you get away from it a little bit and then you step back into it, you really notice how sweet something is. You know, if I were to have a a soda 
today, I would probably, oh, I would probably have a horrible headache because I, it's just sugar's never been anything I've really craved a whole lot of, but now that I'm away from it, it's even sweeter to me. Same thing with salt. If you start cutting back on salt and then you add it back to your diet, you really, you really can taste it. Yes, quite right. So, Claire, you had a, a question? Yes, yes. I was wondering, Kim, if you ever use coconut sugar. I have used coconut sugar. I've, I've actually used them all, uh, and, and try, you know, and I don't really notice a big difference with coconut sugar um, as opposed to maple syrup. Or, but I, it's it's one of those sugars that you've got to go to a natural food store to get your hands on, and it's a little bit more expensive. So I don't usually go there. I'm, I do a lot of recipe development at Plant Pure Nation for our frozen line, for our dry line, which I'll, I should talk about at some point, and for um, the cookbooks that I'm, I, I work on. And I always try to think about what kind of sugar is most accessible for the average person. Coconut sugar is not one of them. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, tell us about uh, oils. I notice you don't use any oils in your recipes, and I think it's brilliant because, uh, like one of the recipes last night for the um, the rice, you said to put my onions and carrots and uh, boil them in a bit of vegetable juice rather than in oil, and they tasted terrific. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I tell people not to use oil is if you flip over the oil bottle and you look at the it's a processed food, but if you look at the nutrients that any tablespoon of oil will add to your diet, it's zero. There is nothing in oil except for calories and fat. That's it. Um, you're not getting any any vitamins or fiber. It's it's completely a junk food. It's empty calories, like we say sugar is empty calories. So if you have this beautiful stir-fry, for example, and you start putting three and four tablespoons of oil in it, you're adding hundreds of calories to a dish that doesn't need to be. In fact, it's usually the last thing that people give up when they venture into the whole food plant-based diet because they they give up. I always find people give up meat first, and then they, then they give up dairy, and then the last thing they give up is oil. And I guess because right. they think that they can't saute or, you know, things aren't going to taste exactly the same. But if you really know how to use your spices and your seasonings, it doesn't, to me, the flavor doesn't lack at all without using oil. So, you know, I, I just think it's it's empty calories, and it's what keeps okay. that last 10 pounds on for a lot of people. Just one more thing about oil, if I may. Uh, I know that there's yeah. a lot of, it's very it's a very trending uh, piece out there in um, health conversations about coconut oil, raw coconut oil, and the many different medicinal type things that it can do for people. And you know, it helps with Alzheimer's and so forth. Do you do you feel the same about coconut oil, or is that something that fits in the same category? The only thing I would use coconut oil for is for my skin, <laughs> but I wouldn't just. There's again, there's there's no nutrient value in it, and um, the industry has had a very large hand. Um, it it fooling the consumer into thinking they're getting something that's healthy. So I think if you look at the results of of a lot of these uh, studies, who's doing the studies and who's putting the information out, I'm 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 pretty confident that it's 
it's the corporations and the industries. Okay. Thank you. Like the olive okay. oil industry. Yes. Well, yeah. let me ask you about uh, avocados. How do they fare in your diet? Avocados are what we, we would consider that a whole food, just like nuts, but it, we would also consider it a high-fat whole food. So it's one of those plant foods that you have to be a little more mindful of. Uh, they're, they're expensive when they're not in season, so if you're going to eat one or two every day, you're going to pay the price for it. When they're in season here in our house, we probably eat more of them. But I know with, with just the two of us, because we're empty nesters, if I get two or three avocados, that will last us for seven to ten days. So I think that's, I think that's being careful. Um, but there are many fat-soluble vitamins that are carried in those high-fat plant foods, so you need to have some of that in your diet for your skin and your hair. And I'm not a, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a, a doctor, but I do know that those foods are very important for your, your health. Um, I talk to my father-in-law a lot about the, you know, the, the fat and the nuts and the seeds and what the issue is with that. So um, I think it's important to have it. If you're, you know, if you're eating large amounts of it and putting nuts in a bowl in your kitchen and just grabbing handfuls, that's probably not healthy. So. Okay. Well, I, <clears throat> I noticed that you say in the book that you have guacamole um, available in the fridge for sandwiches and salad toppers. Well, how do you store it so it will last? I use a, I use a fair amount of lime juice or lemon juice, and that will keep it from going brown. But usually if you just give it a stir after you make it, you know, the, the top will, will kind of brown a little bit. But if you put enough citrus in it, that will help it and, you know, seal it really well. We don't have guacamole in the refrigerator all the time. Um, I usually have a sandwich filling in there, and it might be hummus. It might be a black bean dip. Uh, I have uh, an avocado, not an avocado, I have an olive um, artichoke spread that I use, and that's in the new cookbook. Uh, We always keep it in there because there's people coming in and out of our house, kids, and and, and Nelson makes his lunch every morning. So those are things that we have for snacks and for lunches. Olive artichoke spread, that sounds really good. Well, tell me about the new cookbook. The new cookbook is going to be called The Plant Pure Kitchen. It's more recipes. We wanted to provide more resources for our, you know, our community that's going through jump starts and doing classes in the pods. We just wanted to have more recipes for them. So this cookbook has about 125 recipes. I would say many, many of them, at least 75% are gluten-free. I had several requests for more gluten-free recipes. Um, you know, recipes without sugar. So I really jumped in and got a lot of requests from the first cookbook and just jumped in and decided to, to build some of those recipes. I think it's a, I think it's a, a good cookbook. I, I, maybe I'm, I'm biased, but I think it's, it's, it's going to be a good one. There's, there's probably 25 entrees in this cookbook, and your average cookbook only has about 12 to 15. So I really provided wow. with a centerpiece. Oh, that is marvelous. We'll have to look forward to. And um, when do you think we'll be able to see the book out? And I presume we can find it at the same place as we can find your first cookbook. Yes, yes. Well, we just gave it to the publisher a week ago. So we're looking at January for uh, a a time that it will be released. Um, 
As far as examples of different recipes, I have uh, the Japanese curry, which is actually on the Plant Pure Nation website. We have a Japanese vegetable curry. We have a moussaka in this cookbook. We have mali kofta, um, some more traditional Italian dishes, burritos, lots of different recipes that cover different nationalities and um, spices, and it's 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 interesting. I think it's unique. Oh, moussaka and moussaka, oh, but this it's sounds exciting. Potato moussaka. Moussaka is typically, you know, white potatoes and lentils, but I use sweet potatoes on this one because it's it's got more of a sweet, a naturally sweet flair to it. So that's actually one of my favorite recipes. That one. Okay, great. Now, <clears throat> um, just w- wondering, you don't even use butter. I mean, I, I'm. This is the hard thing to give up, but I've got to hear why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, butter is it's a it's an animal product. It it comes from milk, the, the cream component of the milk. So we don't recommend it. And again, it's empty calories. One of the things I tell people if you're trying if you know if you have to have the butter on the toast the butter in the popcorn which I can talk about I make um, I take cooked and this isn't I don't think it's in either cookbook I take cooked carrots and some little bit of cashews and I season it with nutritional yeast and garlic and I blend it until it's like a paste and put that in a little container and we use that for butter kind of like a carrot cashew butter I guess you could call it but there are substitutes, you know, that taste much better um, than butter. There's more flavor to it. There's really not a lot of flavor in butter other than it's, it's salty and it's creamy. I yes, don't know. Maybe it's been too many years since I've tried butter, but I, I didn't think there was a, a ton of flavor in it. No, there's not. But So it's carrots, it's cooked carrots, cashews, and nutritional yeast, nutritional yeast uh, in a blender. Garlic, and then I put a little bit of water in there just to kind of get the blades spinning because you're going to put it in a Vitamix or a food processor or something like that, and you you know really get it blending. Um, that becomes your butter. It's wonderful. And I, I've made it. You could you could even put, instead of using carrots, you could, you could put a little bit of basil in it, and it could be more of a pesto-y style spread. Um, you could substitute the, the cashews for walnuts. But you would be amazed at how many people we've had here that are not plant-based that love these little butter spreads. Oh, I bet they do. That sounds yeah. delicious to me. Well, one more thing. Tell tell me about breakfast. What what uh, ideas do you have for that? Yeah, I, I think it really depends on if you're a sweet or a savory person. I think we we grew up eating Fruit Loops and corn cornflakes and you know all those traditional cereals, which it's important to get away from those. We personally in our house eat a lot of oatmeal and muesli with fruit in the morning because it's quick, it's fast. Um, but I know it's it's also an option to eat more savory dishes. I've had we we have toast and put a little bit of avocado like butter, and I do use avocado like butter. You know, maybe a little teaspoon of it spread it on my, my bagel and with a piece of fruit and go. I don't fuss too much with, with breakfast unless it's a weekend and I have time to cook, but I spend so much time cooking throughout the day that breakfast has to be quick and on the go. Um, I, I do use on the weekends we make uh, scrambled tofu. I have taken um, burritos to church and I use scrambled tofu and you know sprinkle some 
vegetables or potatoes and take those. People love them. <laughs> oh, I bet they do. Yeah. <laughs> This is so much fun, Kim. And I have to say, we haven't really talked about how easy this is. These are fast, easy recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you give us, you talk about substitution in here. You tell us uh, for eggs that you substitute bananas, right? And what else? Mm-hmm. You can substitute bananas. You can use a little bit of tofu, um, there's energy egg replacer that you can use, but my favorite egg replacer is chia seeds in water or flax meal in water. Those are probably your best substitutes. And it's a three-to-one, so if it's one tablespoon of flax meal, three tablespoons of water, you let it sit in the bowl and it, turn, it gets kind of gelatinous like an egg. And the same thing with chia seeds. It's a one-to-three. And those are really nice egg replacers, especially if you're making a cake or, you know, something that requires a little more fluff. Okay. That sounds great. Great. Well, I hope uh, that this gets our filmmakers to uh, get started on these healthy meals because some of them are so easy and so fast to fix. And, uh, you know, when you are working most of the week, I used to cook a lot on Sunday to have for uh, two or three days ahead. A lot of of your uh, menus could be handled that way, and some of them are so easy that it won't take long to fix them when you get home from work. Mm -hmm. I I really recommend that people do a lot of preparation and planning on the weekends. Go to your farmer's market, pick up your your produce, make your, your menu, and then cut and chop as much as you can ahead of time. You know, even pre-bag some of the spices. I, I, when I do a cooking class, I, I cut and chop and bag everything and organize it. And you can do that at home as well. That way you can throw it all in on a Monday night into your Instant Pot or put it in in the morning in your crock pot and just turn it on and let it go. But a lot of the key to, to eating this way, if you're, especially if you don't have time, is to plan and prepare ahead. Decide what recipes you want to try. And then when you find those recipes that you love, eat them over and over and over. John McDougall always says, you know, it's okay to eat the same thing because that's what we do. We, we tend to rotate the, the same five or seven recipes. And that's right. You get good at it. And, yes, you do. and the, the thought is here, if you, let's say you have seven recipes that you rotate. If you just take two of those and go plant-based for those two, you will start feeling better, and then that will give you the encouragement to make it three. And once you get those good meals inserted for the poor quality health meals, you'll be mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the mend, and you'll be happier than you ever realized, right? One of the recipes I'll, I'll point out, it's, it's probably for your listeners because it's the easiest recipe in the cookbook, and I think it's the one that has the most flavor, is the creamy African stew. And I always use it when I'm teaching a how-to, a beginner's plant-based cooking class because we can put it all in a pot and turn it on and walk away. And people are always <laughs> amazed at how much flavor it has. So if you're just starting, that's a fun recipe to begin with. Okay, creamy yeah. African stew. All right, yes. we'll do. Going to look that right. one up. Well, I'm looking we at. We definitely uh, want more information when you're ready to release that book. We've got to have you back so we can learn more about the next the kitchen cookbook. Yeah, I would love to come back and do that. I always always have information to share about food. 
Um, right, right now, I, I should say that it's really exciting at Plant Pure Nation because we are developing a 21-day jumpstart. Right now, we have a 10-day jumpstart, which is a frozen line that you order your meals and you get 10 days worth of, of food. But this one is a 21-day where we have dry packs and frozen packs, and the dry packs are more, they're, they're what we call kitchen helpers, kitchen starters, where we give you the base and then you add the vegetables, and so you're doing some of the cooking and you're also tailoring it to your, to your needs and your taste buds. So we're, we wanted to provide food for people for 21 days, um, and that's, that's what we're getting ready to launch here probably in the fall. Um, but but we're, we're, we're at the stage right now where they're actually making the dry, the dry packs right now as we speak, so it's exciting. Okay, now this, this means you could live anywhere in the United States and buy them. Absolutely, yep, anywhere. And you, you, you can buy the frozen line, you can purchase the frozen line from anywhere in the United States as well. Is this your, your web- product? Pardon? Your recipes, the frozen line of your recipes is available where? Yeah, we have we have a 10-day jump start right now. If you go to the website, plantpurenation.com, there's a store, and you can buy a 10-day jump start, and it all comes frozen. So you'll get 20 meals, and, you, and each meal is 16 ounces, so it's a pound of food, and you get two meals a day, and then you provide your own breakfast. So as we speak now, anybody can order a frozen jump start on our website, and it comes with... A hot logic machine, which is a warming tray, so you don't have to use the microwave. It comes with a cookbook and you know a few other things, um, dressing bottles and things like that. So, but we're, we were, we're, our goal is to extend this out to a 21-day jumpstart, which is really exciting for those people who want more than just 10 days. Oh my gosh, this is brilliant! Uh, I am so thankful that you explained that to us. I was thinking the jump start was what you had done just in your hometown there to yeah, we, uh, improve. We, we did, and then we decided that um, we wanted to make this available to to everybody um, all across the country that anybody can do a, a ten day jump start. And what's nice about our frozen line is several of these recipes come from my cookbook and the new cookbook. And they're whole food, plant-based. There's no added oils. I can't say that there's, they're fat-free because there are um, recipes that use plants that have fats in them. So, um, but they're very, very healthy, very wholesome. They're low in sodium. They're, they're one-to-one with calories, which is almost impossible to get when you buy any kind of frozen, frozen meal. So I think, you know, I, I, I think it's a great opportunity for people that just don't have time to cook or just want to keep, keep this food in their freezer to take for lunches and things like that because there really isn't anything in the grocery store right now that's that wholesome. Ah, this is fabulous. Yeah. Okay, yeah. the Jump Start Plant. And it's on and your website, plantpurenation.com? Yep, plantpurenation.com. And it's all the information about the meals. You can read the ingredients. There's pictures. Um, it's it's all all up there. Okay, great, Claire. One oh, more. Go question. ahead. Thank you. Um, do you have any videos available on YouTube, your website, your Facebook page, perhaps, where we can watch you do some instructional cooking? Yes. Um, if you go to the if you go to our website, there are it's 
called Plant Pure TV. There are videos that you can watch. I have a video on how to read labels. I have a video on breakfast and you know how to prepare a healthy whole food breakfast. Um, there's a video on how to go out to eat at restaurants. We're also doing quick and easy plant pure in a minute, we call them, videos where, I don't know if you've seen the, the Tasty or the BuzzFeed videos where all you see are the hands and you see the cooking happening very, very quickly. Well, we have those, too. We've pr produced, I think, six of them or seven, and there are more coming because we are filming them um, as we speak. We've been, been working on getting those edited. So, so yes, the answer to that question is there are a lot of there'll be a lot more cooking videos. There's also some cooking videos already there. I think with a brownie video, there's a mayonnaise video, there's a creamy African stew video. So, so yeah, we want to provide the motivation and the instructional tools for people who are going through our jump starts. Great, okay. thank you. Okay, thank you so much. All right, well, it's amazing uh, the information you've shared with us today. We sincerely appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's exciting. We're, we're really excited about the direction of Plant Pure Nation and all of the people that have been involved and, and the communities all across the country that are starting up pods and getting their community excited about getting healthy, and that's really where it starts is in the communities at the grassroots level. Absolutely. Oh, thank you very much, and thank you, Claire, for the show. And we'll just tell our listeners that next Wednesday we'll have Kathy Yaneda on selling your motion picture scripts and other ways to take your film to the market. And I hope everybody walks away with good intentions and gets your book and starts living healthier. Thank you for having me, Carol and Claire. I enjoyed, I enjoyed chatting with you. Yes, it's fun. You're very welcome. Take care. Thanks, Thanks. Claire. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you. Be well, everyone. everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.